Thanks to the Russell Wilson trade, the Seahawks will have a top five pick for the first time since 2009. What does that mean for John Schneider in the front office? And what kind of flexibility does it provide the Seahawks heading into this offseason? I'm going to be breaking it all down in our latest Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Happy Friday to all of our listeners. And as always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Going to be kicking off a new series here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast as we transition into off-season mode. Going to let the fans weigh in on a number of different topics throughout this off-season on Fan, uh, fan Fiction Friday. First time we're doing this segment, Struggled to say what I was going to call it correctly, but Fan Fiction Friday going to be kicking it off today, taking a look at some potential blockbuster trades that John Schneider may look into with the Seahawks having two first round picks and four picks in the first 55 selections. Jam-packed episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to the Russell Wilson trade, the Seahawks will have the number five pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. They have two first-rounders also picking at number 20 overall. And throughout this season, obviously Seahawks fans have been paying close attention to the surprising results that the Seahawks have put on the field, making the postseason with Geno Smith at quarterback, giving the 49ers fits for three quarters and then falling apart in a wild-card round. But nonetheless, a very surprising, successful season for the Seahawks. But they've almost been paying more attention to what's been going on in the Mile High City after the blockbuster trade that sent Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos got off to a really rocky start, finished the season 5-12, and 12, in large part because of Wilson's struggles. The offense was the worst in the NFL for most of the season. Seemed to right the ship a little bit late in the season, but it was too little too late, and they finished seven games under the 500 mark. That gives the Seahawks the number five selection, and that creates a lot of flexibility for John Schneider and Pete Carroll that they haven't had during their time in Seattle. And per Tankathon, the Seahawks have the second most capital in the 2023 NFL Draft. Again, four selections in the top 55. They've got number five, number 20, number 38, and number 53. Two first-rounders, two second-rounders. Two of those picks coming from the Russell Wilson trade. They have nine picks total with five in the top 100. So a real opportunity for John Schneider and Pete Carroll to continue building this roster after a dominant rookie class in 2022. They're going to be hoping to replicate those results and get several more game-changing players to take this team to the next level and put them in a position to contend for Super Bowls over the next couple of years. And per Tankathon, they finished with 1,260.1 total points. The only team that has more draft capital in terms of points is the Houston Texans. And they actually have the number two selection in the first round. That number could have been higher if not for beating the Colts in the season finale. Ultimately, Lovey Smith is probably going to lose his job anyway. But nonetheless, the Texans have the most draft capital heading into this draft. The Seahawks just behind them on the list with a little over 1,250 points. And again, this really gives John Schneider and Pete Carroll so much flexibility heading this draft. And they have not had a top five selection 
in their entire time in Seattle. They had the number six overall pick the first year that they arrived in 2010. Last year, they had the number nine pick that they acquired as part of the Russell Wilson trade. But otherwise, they have not had top 10 picks. And so to pick at number five, the first thing that it allows the Seahawks to do, obviously, is to add a blue chip talent. And while I don't think this is an elite draft class by any means, and there's been some really good players that had a chance to come out that decided to go back to school, the NIL situation has changed the game. And a lot of players that would have gone to the draft are now staying because they're making pretty good money now at the college level. Nonetheless, there's still some premium talent in the top five picks. And the Seahawks will be hoping that one of the defensive linemen somehow stumbles to number five for them, whether that's Jalen Carter from Georgia, Will Anderson from Alabama. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech is another player that's getting a lot of top five buzz and may continue to climb up the boards as we get through the combine pro days and all of the pre-draft festivities but there are a number of players that would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks there at number five and obviously they can trade down too that's the other really nice option there is when you have a top five pick the amount of value that you can get back in return if there is a quarterback there at number five and the Seahawks don't want to pick one let's say CJ Stroud is there at number five John Schneider is going to be fielding calls, whether it's from the Carolina Panthers or some of the other teams that are several picks behind him. And maybe they can get a first rounder for next year. They could have two first round picks next season, or maybe they end up with multiple day two picks in this year's draft. They end up with 10 or 11 selections with six of them in the top hundred. That would be a game changer for the Seahawks as they're trying to continue filling out this roster. And I think last but not least here, and this is going to be a perfect segue into today's show, John Schneider has never been afraid to make bold moves, and he's never had a number five selection to go with a number 20 selection in the first round that gives him the type of flexibility to maybe be able to go out and get a talented, proven star football player. And obviously the Jamal Adams trade with Adams being hurt as much as he has been, that trade has blown up in the Seahawks' faces to this point. But they've made some other trades that have worked out for them. And if they're able to get a premium talent, then John Schneider, I'm sure, will be willing to listen, especially because there are a lot of players that could have entered this draft that would have been maybe first-round caliber players that went back to school. That has dried up the talent well just a little bit. Still, I don't think this is a weak draft class by any means. I don't think it's as good overall as last year's class. There's better quarterbacks if the Seahawks want to go that route, and that obviously drives the first round in any draft. If there's three or four quarterbacks that potentially could go in the top 10 teams are going to be looking to move up to get those players if the Seahawks aren't wanting to draft one of them it again creates the flexibility to be able to add a bunch of picks recoup them whether it's this year or in the future getting extra draft picks maybe there's a quarterback they won in 2024 and if they get the first round pick from the right team and they end up with a high selection next year then they can use that on a quarterback so this is the type of wheelhouse that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have not been able to work during their time in Seattle, all the way back to their first season. This will be the first time since 2009 when the Seahawks picked Aaron Curry. Obviously, that pick did not work out at number four overall. But they'll be hoping that this top five pick, if they stay there, is going to end up being much more successful. They can bring in a blue chip talent that can come in and change the game. Then another first round pick, whether they use it or they trade it for another player, whatever they choose to do, they have the flexibility here to be able to add premium talent, whether it's rookies or veterans, to this roster that already made the playoffs when they weren't supposed to a year ahead of schedule and continue 
pushing this team closer to contending for a Super Bowl. And again, this is a perfect segue because what we're going to be doing now on Fridays during the offseason, it's Fan Fiction Friday, and we're going to let fans have input on a number of different offseason topics. For this particular opening episode here, first week of the offseason, we're going to be taking a look at some blockbuster deals. If John Schneider decides to dangle one of those first-round picks, what type of players do our listeners think the Seahawks go after that would immediately improve their team and would justify giving up one of those first-round picks? Next segment, we're going to be looking at some offensive player proposals, and then we'll wrap up with defensive proposals here on our latest Blue Friday episode. This episode is brought your way by LinkedIn. As you get rolling in a new year, you need the right people on your team to help your small business click on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the words you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right candidates to talk to Faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the latest Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're a first-time listener or a regular listener, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On NFL podcast to get your daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, in-depth analysis on the biggest games with key predictions every Friday and Monday. Local insiders cover the games with game-to-game episodes. Locked On NFL is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. As I've indicated here a couple times already on the show, with this now being in off-season mode, we're going to switch things up a little bit, and we're going to introduce a new segment that we'll be rolling out every Friday here for the foreseeable future. And we just posted, and you can still fill these out if you go to my Twitter handle, at Corbin Smith NFL. Many of you have already filled out our survey at the end of the season. We always like to see where we are and where we've excelled, where we need to improve. And one thing that many of you voice is you'd like to see listeners get a little bit more involvement in our show. And so we're going to be unleashing Fan Fiction Friday, and it's a chance for you to dish out your thoughts on various off-season topics. And we're going to kick things off with a bang here, looking at some potential blockbuster trades, because as I just mentioned in the first segment, one thing that having two first-round picks gives you a little bit of flexibility on is if there's a player dangled out there that is going to immediately make your team much better, particularly edge rushers or talented receivers or offensive linemen, you can go out and try to make an offer for one of those players. And John Schneider has been willing to do this in the past. He's traded first round picks for star players. It hasn't worked out as well as they hope. So maybe those are precautionary statements not to make trades like this, but nonetheless, 
I asked you, the listener, to dish out your trade proposals and the requirement you had to give up at least one of Seattle's two first-round picks to make the trade. And so let's get to it. We got a bunch of offensive players and a bunch of defensive players. So we're going to split it up with offense first, and then we'll cover defense later in the show. And this was a lot of fun. Let's get to our first one. This one coming from Alexander Hernandez. And I was waiting to see whether we were going to get some quarterback proposals here. And sure enough, we got a couple. And I think this one is extremely fascinating because the Chicago Bears, they might be one of the few teams outside of Seattle that I am most curious to see what they're going to do when we get to April because they've said all the right things about Justin Fields, their young quarterback from Ohio State that obviously has done some incredible things in a roster that doesn't have a lot of talent. But they have the number one overall pick. And Bryce Young, the former Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, he's sitting right there for them to take. And so if the Chicago Bears assess their quarterback situation and feel that Bryce Young is going to be the better quarterback, they could get some really good draft capital back in return for Justin Fields. So again, looking at this trade proposal from Alexander, the Seahawks trading number 20, a first round pick, and number 38, a second round pick to the Bears for Justin Fields. I don't expect anything like this is going to happen, but I would give this trade a B plus because if the Seahawks were able to pull off this trade to get Justin Fields, I still think when he's got the right supporting cast around him, that he has the upside to be a top 10, maybe even a top five. Chicago, many weapons him. He's a really bad roster since they drafted him a couple of years ago. And so you put him with Seattle's receivers, the running game that they've got, an offensive line that's got two really good young tackles, and they've got a chance to continue improving that group. That could be a lot of fun if the Bears decide to go with Bryce Young. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they are going to be auctioning off that first pick, and they believe Justin Fields is part of their future. But if they went with Bryce Young, then if you're John Schneider, you might be one of those general managers that's calling the Chicago Bears and saying, hey, what's it going to take for me to get Justin Fields off of your hands? And you could add a dynamic young talent that is an outstanding runner, I think is a better passer than he's shown these first two years, give him better weapons. That would be a lot of fun. The next one here coming from Corb555. I promise it's not my burner account, but got to give the other Corbins in the world some love here. And I love this one just because of the history behind this one. The proposal, the Seahawks trade, pick number five and D. Eskridge to the Kansas City Chiefs for center Creed Humphrey. And those of you that have listened to this show regularly know the history behind this. Creed Humphrey was available for the Seahawks two drafts ago, and they picked D. Eskridge instead. That has ended up being a huge misfire for them to this point because Eskridge has missed a ton of games, and when he has been healthy, hasn't done much on offense. Meanwhile, Creed Humphrey has quickly become one of the very best centers in the NFL. I have to give this a grade in the C range just because of the reality behind it. The Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be trading Creed Humphrey, and I don't think the Seahawks would be dealing the number five overall pick for a center, even one as talented as Creed Humphrey it's a position that I think you can get a quality player late in the first or even the second round. I would not be trading away the number five pick, but I found this one well worth posting here because of the irony behind it with D. Eskridge getting picked before Creed Humphrey a couple of years ago when the Seahawks had a chance to pick Humphrey and they didn't do it. And now he's become a star in Kansas City. It would be ironic if they made a trade like that. But that one is very far-fetched. I can't see Kansas City moving the young setter, and they certainly aren't going to be getting the number five pick 
from John Schneider, along with a second round receiver as part of that package. Going back to the quarterback position, this has been one that I've talked about a little bit earlier on the show as a possibility. The Ravens don't sound like they're wanting to move Lamar Jackson, but this one coming from Dorian G on YouTube, the Seahawks trade picks number 20 and number 38, along with Geno Smith to the Ravens for Lamar Jackson and pick number 86, a third rounder. I'm going to give this one a D plus, but it's not because of the compensation. I actually think if this trade was going to happen, the compensation here from Dorian makes a lot of sense. The Seahawks trading a first and a second along with Smith to get a former MVP who's still only 26 years old, and you're going to get a third-round pick back, so you're not going to be completely emptying the covered bear with the draft. The reason that I don't like this trade is because of what you're going to do after you get Lamar Jackson. In order for this deal to happen, both players would have to sign their franchise tags with their respective teams. So the Seahawks would have Lamar Jackson under contract at that $32.4 million range on an exclusive, not exclusive franchise tag. But then you're going to have to give him an extension. And while I think Lamar Jackson, when he's at his best, is a better quarterback than Geno Smith just because of the running ability, and I think he's a better passer than advertised, he hasn't had many weapons similar to Justin Fields in that regard. I don't think that he's $20 million more a year better than what Geno Smith is. And that's the type of contract he's going to be looking for. He wants to be one of the three highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL and reports have indicated he wants to be fully guaranteed. And we're talking about a quarterback that's had an injury history. So yeah, I'm going to stay away in this particular situation. Not that I don't think Lamar Jackson could make the Seahawks better, but you're going to have to pay a ton of money to be able to extend him on top of trading all those draft picks. And I just don't know that he's that much better than Geno Smith at the price that you're probably going to be able to sign him. Geno's the older player, but his game is probably going to age better because he doesn't rely on running the football the way that Lamar Jackson does. And so I think there could be scenarios where maybe this plays out and it works for Seattle. I just don't, I'm not a fan of making this trade though. And then next one, staying in the center position, this one coming from Allen, the Detroit Lions sending Frank Ragnow, their standout center, to the Seahawks straight up for pick number 20. And I'm going to put this one as a C plus. And the reason that it's going to be a C plus isn't because the player. This is very similar to Creed Humphrey. I just think the center position, especially this year's class, there's three or four centers that are probably going to be going in the first two early three rounds that could come in and start for you right away. I just don't think that this is a year where you would be trading away that kind of draft capital in exchange for a center as badly as the Seahawks could use a star player at that position. Uh, Pick number 20 just by itself seems a little rich, and I can't see the Detroit Lions wanting to do this too. The Lions are an ascending football team, and Ragnow is part of that really good offensive line that they've got protecting Jared Goff, opening up holes for their running backs. He's only 27. I don't see any way that the Lions would want to make this move either. So from a reality standpoint and just from a a compensation standpoint for both sides, I don't see this lining up. But certainly that's a name you could throw around if you're looking for a proven center. And then our last one here, this was the boldest one we got on offense coming from 
Brendan C on YouTube. And if you were playing Madden, this one would be amazing. In terms of real football, I think it's debatable on that. But the Seahawks trading picks number 20 and 123, a fourth rounder to the Raiders for tight end Darren Waller, as well as pick number 71. I think the compensation probably lines up if you are a team that wants a field stretching tight end. I do not think that this is an area of need for the Seattle Seahawks, though. If you look at their roster right now, Colby Parkinson is a similar style player, maybe not as athletic as Darren Waller, but he is that field-stretching, big-bodied, athletic tight end that started to show things this year, and he's going to be going into year four with much higher expectations. Noah Fan is a 4-5 guy at the tight end position. They're going to get Will Disley back, obviously a much different skill set, but this is not a position group where I think the Seahawks need to be throwing first-round picks out to get players, even though I think Darren Waller can be a game-changing presence in the passing game. This would not mesh with the Seahawks. So I think, again, if we're looking from a Madden perspective, my trade grade's probably a little higher because I would love to throw to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Darren Waller. If you could get him for a second-round pick, I might actually start to consider a little bit. But after trading for Jimmy Graham all those years ago and seeing how that worked out, it's a different offensive scheme with Shane Waldron. Nonetheless, I just think that this would be a luxury trade. That is not the type of one that I would be dealing one of their first-round picks for right now to get Darren Waller. We're going to continue our Fan Fiction Friday going to the defensive side of the ball, some blockbuster trades, and there's some ones on here that are dandies that I can't wait to break down. We'll get to those here in a moment on our latest Blue Friday episode of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories, you've got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built Bars. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. And what makes them so good, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, with incredible flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they make these candy bar tasting protein bars with amazing macros, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait for them to ship a box to your home like you've had to do the last couple years. You can now get Built Bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with their hit flavors, such as brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Make sure to check that out at Walmart or Sam's Club to get your Built Bars. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for listening in. Whether it's your first time listening to the podcast or your regular listener, we greatly appreciate it. All right, it's Fan Fiction Friday. We're going to be dishing this out every Friday here during the offseason, picking a topic for offseason discussion and letting the fans weigh in on what they think the Seahawks should do. And today we're looking at blockbuster trades, and it involves at least one of the Seahawks' first round selections. That was the main requirement. You have to acquire a player and you have to deal either the number five pick or the number 20 pick, or maybe both. I haven't seen any proposals with that. Fans are valuing their first round picks, but they were a little more aggressive on the defensive side of the football. And that's understandable because the Seahawks have more holes on defense. 
Let's get to some of these trade proposals. And our first one is coming from Joel Seagrest. And this is a really fun one for a player that's in my top five in the NFL right now in terms of enjoying watching him play. And that is Max Crosby of the Raiders. The Seahawks got to see firsthand how talented this dude is. And this proposal from Joel, the Seahawks trade picks number five and 20. This is the only proposal where both the first round picks were sent, but they get Max Crosby pick number seven. They still have one first rounder as a result, and they get a second round pick from the Raiders as well. I think that's a typo there, but the Raiders second round pick would go to the Seahawks. I'm going to give this one a B minus, not because I don't like the player and I don't think Seattle should make a call about that. If Max Crosby was available at all, you absolutely make a call. He's had at least 30 quarterback hits each of the last two years. He is a nonstop motor, relentless pass rusher. He's improved against the run. He is a real nuisance to try to block off the edge. He'd be a game changer for the Seahawks defense. I just don't think the structure of this deal that is proposed would necessarily work out. I can't see the Raiders giving up number seven, only moving back two spots while trading a player that would be worthy of trading a top five pick for and having to give up another pick on top of that. And so I think the issue here would be equal compensation. And I don't know that both sides could necessarily agree to a deal, but if he was available, then he should absolutely be a player the Seahawks are looking at. I just don't know about giving up both your first round picks. If you do get number seven back as part of that package, it makes it much more likely that you would pull that off though. So I think overall it was a solid proposal. I'm just not sure about the compensation and what it would take to actually pull off that trade with the Raiders. Coming up next here from Jacob Donnelly, we get another former Seahawk killer. And this is a guy that when we have done these exercises, similar exercises in the past, Seahawk fans have always thrown out the name DeForest Buckner. And the Indianapolis Colts are going to have a top five pick just like the Seahawks for different reasons. They were terrible this year. One of the biggest underachieving teams in the league. Their coach got fired. They hired Jeff Saturday as an interim coach. Buckner was still very good, though. He was one of the few bright spots for the Colts with nearly double-digit sacks. I believe he had eight and a half on the season, his fifth straight year with at least seven sacks, and the Seahawks know him really well. And in this trade proposal, the Seahawks give up number 20, their second first-rounder, to the Colts to get Buckner and a fourth-round pick. I don't think that the Colts would go for throwing an extra pick in here. That's why I'm going to give it a B. But I think if this was just number 20 straight up for Buckner with his contract, I think the Colts would consider this because of where they're at right now. They clearly are in a state of rebuild. They're going to be trying to retool this roster. Buckner's going to be 30 years old soon. So for a team like the Seahawks that's entering a window to contend, he would be an excellent addition for their defensive line. The Colts, on the other hand, they're going to be paying a lot of money to him. It might behoove them to get an extra pick and try to get younger and get cheaper on their roster to try to accelerate their rebuild. And so I could actually see this being a deal that would work out. I just don't know that the Colts would throw in a another pick in the first four rounds on top of Buckner to make this trade work. I think it would have to be a first rounder straight up for Buckner to get any traction there. Staying on the defensive line, I'm going to be honest, this is my favorite trade proposal of all of them when we're looking at compensation, the player you're getting back, and the plausibility. It's a team they're going to be playing next year. But this one coming from Kelnick, and I'm sure it was not Jared Kelnick, but a Kelnick fan, and this proposal is fantastic. The Seahawks trade pick number five and a 2024 third-round pick to the Titans 
for Jeffrey Simmons. Now that might seem really rich, but the reason that I think that this pick or this trade would be a great one for the Seahawks, Jeffrey Simmons, in my opinion, is in that group with Chris Jones and Aaron Donald as far as dominant defensive tackles. Hasn't had quite as many sacks as those guys, but he gets 50-plus pressures every year. This guy is a force in the middle. And oh, by the way, he's still a very young player. He's going into his fifth-year option season. The Titans need to get an extension done there. I think they're going to get it done. But this would be a player, if I'm John Schneider, and I don't think I can get Jalen Carter, or I'm not sold on Jalen Carter. I might be calling up the new general manager in Tennessee. That's a team that missed the playoffs. They've had a lot of defections the last couple of years. They could use a quarterback too. Ryan Tannehill's not their long-term guy. You dangle that number five pick because there may be a quarterback there. You get Simmons, a player who would be a top five pick in this draft. He's that kind of a talent. They need a game wrecker in the middle. He can play in any scheme. He is a scheme-centric you could put him in any scheme and he's going to dominate. He's that good of a player. And so I actually think the trade makes a lot of sense for the future third round pick on top. That's the kind of price you got to pay for a defensive tackle that's this disruptive and is in his prime. I don't know that the Titans would explore a trade, but this is the one that I think from a compensation standpoint and the player you're bringing in return, the need that you have in that position would make the most sense. So kudos to Kelnick, the Twitter uh, poster that posted this one. I think this is a fantastic trade proposal. I don't see it happening, but if it did, this would be a great addition for the Seahawks. Jeffrey Simmons is a fantastic football player that I think is only going to get better. He'd be a really nice addition to Seattle's defense. Continue on the defensive side of the ball. This one isn't from a listener necessarily. It's actually one of our co-hosts that chimed in. Tyler Fornes, who did some of our betting shows this season, he also covers the Minnesota Vikings. So, of course, he's got to have a Vikings-related proposal. The Seahawks sending pick number 20 straight up to the Vikings for Zadarius Smith. And I'm going to give this trade just a straight-up B. And really what it boils down to isn't the player or the production. Because Zadarius Smith, in three of the past four seasons, has had at least 10 sacks. He has been one of the most productive sack producers in the entire NFL. And he's a guy that's played in a 3-4 and 4-3. He just knows how to get after the quarterback. My concerns are two things. One, his age. He's now past 30 years of age. And two, he missed almost the entire season two years ago with a back-related issue. It didn't cause any problems this year, but that is always something that worries me. So I don't know that I would be doing a straight-up number 20 for him, especially with his contract, his age, the injury history. That might be one where I would be asking the Vikings to kick back a mid-round pick, and then maybe we can discuss. But certainly he would be a player that would be a nice fit because of his background playing in a 3-4 as well as a 4-3. You put him with the Chenanuosu. Boy, Mafe, whoever else they have on the roster, that certainly would create uh, an interesting group of pass rushers for the Seahawks with veterans and young guys getting after the quarterback. And then for our last one here, we've talked about edge rushers mostly here. Let's talk about a space plugger who already knows the Pacific Northwest really well and bringing him back to his old stomping grounds. He's such a massive man. The Seahawks trade pick number 20 straight up to the Buccaneers for Vita Vea. I gave this one a B minus for a couple of reasons. For one, as good as Vita Vea is, I don't know if I'd be giving up a first rounder straight up for him, especially because he's a player that's now been in the league for a while. And 
quite frankly, this past season, he was not near as dominant as what we've seen. He was like a lot of the players on Tampa Bay's roster. For whatever reason, they just fell off. I know they made the playoffs, but they had a losing record. This was a football team that really achieved this year. And Vita Vea was one of those players, even though he had a clear high in sacks, his run defense was not as good. And sometimes these bigger body defensive tackles can hit a little bit of a wall and they can actually have their careers sputter out a little bit. And so I don't know that that's going to happen with Vita Vea. And he's a huge man, really difficult to move in the middle. Maybe just playing for a different team, having a change of scenery would get him back to playing at an all pro level. He was not on that same level this year. It may have just been the talent around him, the play around him that certainly impacted him. He was not quite as good. That would be one where maybe I'm trying to call the Buccaneers and say, hey, we'll give you a second and a fourth, which to me is is better value for what you're going to be getting back in return. A guy that's a nose tackle that can rush the pass or something he's shown this past season. He, been a good pass rusher his entire career but I'm not sure that I would be giving up a first round pick straight up for him at this point in his career not an old player by any means but certainly that would be one where I'd be a little more cautious about giving up that kind of a pick but he would be a great addition to this football team as well I think second and a fourth probably where I would go from a compensation standpoint a special thanks to all the 12s out there that sent in proposals there were a bunch of others that I would have loved to take a look at and we're going to be doing this every Friday fan fiction Friday Nick Lee will be joining me for most of those episodes. He'll be back next Friday, and we'll be able to dig into your input on what the Seahawks should do this offseason. We'll have a fun topic coming up on next Friday's episode. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, we're bringing back Mock Draft Monday. We're entering that time of year with the Senior Bowl coming up soon. We're going to have the combine here before you know it. Draft season has officially arrived. We're going to be taking a look at some of the mock drafts that are out there on the internet, seeing who is being mocked to the Seahawks with their two first round selections. Should be a really fun show. Hope you'll be joining us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go Hawks.